I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, and welcome to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I am Vic Cohen, and you are listening to me live from gorgeous, stunning, beautiful downtown Los Angeles's Skid Row Studios. And the reason we call the show It's a Fair Question because on this show, every question is a fair question. There is no question that is ever too personal or ever off limits. That's right. Now, if you like hidden camera comedy shows, tonight's guest is someone who you can personally, yes, you could personally thank for bringing you some of the world's funniest hidden camera bits. Now, I'm going to thank him for you over this hour. And the amazing thing is, though, about this guy, you would never recognize him because he does all of his work behind the camera. I am talking about director of photography. We'll call him a cinematographer. Sounds very, very fancy title. I love it. Yeah, Yeah, and also a camera operator. We're going to distinct... You can distinguish for us the uh, difference guest. I am talking about... Really an award-winning and extremely talented guy, Casey Cassidy. Hello. Hey. Do you hear the, everyone's just applauding in the background. <laughs> I know. I, at home, everywhere. Yeah, the S&M girls, too. The S&M girls before the show, that is in reference to, <laughs> we have a show here at Skid Row Studios right before us. Uh, they're kind of like an, yeah BDSM, that kind of thing. They were clapping, actually, with their butts. Uh, you could <laughs> yeah. hear it on the hallway. Well, I did hear that. I thought that was you. <laughs> Now I'm going to go over just I'm going to go over some of your credits, okay. okay? Because I want to impress you guys listening. I yeah. want you to hear what this guy's done, and maybe we'll play a little game, okay, Casey? All right. I love games. I'll say the name of the show and just and we'll go into them later and more in depth, and just give me a word or two, okay. your first thoughts that come to mind. Okay, Rorschach, Rorschach style. Talking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's start with the show you and I are working on. Uh, TBS's um, Howie Mandel executive produced. Deal with it. Zany. Okay. Is that a word? That's a word. Right? That is a word. Okay. It's a yeah. little zany. Okay, good. I'll go with that. Um, Betty White's off their rockers. Um, um, elderly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now remember, uh, these are these are shows that Casey's worked on. He's yes. he's lensed them. Yes. Doesn't that sound really cool? It controlled the image on them. That. Yes, <laughs> that too. Life after Top Chef. Um Foodie. Scare Tactics, the sci-fi hidden camera show. Thriller. How We Do It. Uh, <laughs> That's Howie Mandel's hidden I, camera show, I'm which I was on. Zany again. No, you cannot. Uh, yeah, no uh, words twice. We'll just say Howie. Pimp My Ride. Um, we'll come uh, back to that. that that's Punk, a tough one. Punked. Punked. Um, punked. Punked the, the, the camera show, Ashton Kusher's show. Uh, punked, one word got to be Kutcher. Okay. Uh, I'm, st- I'm, starting to, yeah, I'm starting to lose it here. That's okay. And we're <laughs> just getting going. <laughs> well, I didn't realize you're going all the way back. You know, Punk, I work on... Does that years, feel like a long time ago? Ten years ago. So it's changed considerably since its inception. That is true. Yeah. Now, um, one thing I want to... I like to be real honest with, my, with you listeners about my relationship with the guests I have here. And... Um, Casey, I will tell you this, has seen me naked. <laughs> Is that correct? Everyone on the show has, Vic. Right. And we can't exactly say the, the, in, like the bit because we're signing all this confidentiality stuff where we do a show and until it airs, we can't really talk too much about it. Right. But there were, um, were there, there were 12 cameras on me naked? Um, it, yeah, we had 12 on you that day. I think we covered pretty much every <laughs> angle and had a lot of fun with it. Every uh, nook and cranny. Takes a lot of balls. And, I think and that it was did the, that day. That was the number one joke at the end of the day. It was, uh, Vic, you got balls. Yeah, and you saw them. What did you think, Casey? Um, spectacular, fat Jewish cock. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> um, and uh, pretty, pretty well kept. I mean, you're manicured well. It, there was a lot of well, uh, yeah, the grooming was, was well, you were impressed with that. Yeah, it, it really um, it came out well on camera. Well, thank I you. I was, that's what I was looking for. Now, on TBS's Deal With It, we have how many cameras? Uh, 12 also, yeah. A okay. dozen, cool dozen. Okay, 12 cameras. Now, if you haven't seen the show, you have to see it. 
and because it's hilarious. It's so, really funny. It's a, it's a hidden camera game show. It's a hit show on TBS. Also airing on True TV right now. That is correct. Thank yep. you. Yep. Thank you for that reminder as well. And uh, you can Google it if you ha- or YouTube it if you haven't. Uh, if if you're not, if they're not airing at the time you're listening to this broadcast. It is. Um, There's a lot of clips on TBS.com and their YouTube channel too. Because I mean, even stuff that didn't make it there, the little extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which I'm assuming there'll be more of those too before the next premiere of season Definitely. two. Definitely, so. yes. And um, now, <clears throat> with the the when I'm at the shoots, you know, because I I am there every day when we shoot. Uh, you generally work, Casey, the camera on the host. Yeah, I shoot. Uh, I shoot the celebrity actually. The host Theo Vaughn is shot with the other across. Camera, okay, so whoever his partner is, I try to right. Okay, you know, as the the red hat. You know, you were talking about the difference between a cinematographer and yes. a camera operator. Tell me the difference. Tell uh, all of us. I'm the main camera operator. And what does that mean? It means uh, I'm responsible for all the other camera operators. Does that mean you hire those guys and ladies? Yep. Yep. And okay. um, have worked with most of them for you know over ten years now. So I, you know, head. I, it's really, it's really a team effort. Head photographer is the same as cinematographer. Yeah, he's the photographer with the red hat, while the rest of them all wear black. Were hats. you really wearing a red hat? Is that a joke? I think I had a yellow one on yesterday. Do you really but, wear a colored hat? Or are you joking? Well, typically, you camera people who are behind the camera, especially in hidden camera, we have them wear all black or stage right. black, so that they're not seen. Even if you see a lens, it's not. You know, you're not, you're not seeing logos and stuff. But like do you? That. I mean, I'm. If you're fooling me right now, I'm buying it. Do does the head? Is there a tradition that the head cameraman wears a different colored hat? I just say just red playing? hat as the head guy. It's okay, kind of, so it, you're not literally right. Okay, but, but it does. You know, if you can't see all the camera ops, you can see me when I go out on the floor. You know, I try to make I myself see. visible by everybody else by something you're wearing. Sometimes even. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I did not know that. That's actually really interesting. I still don't know if you're telling the truth or not. I think you are. In my experience. You okay, know, that's I, interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, you are responsible for setup, too, of the cameras. Is that correct? Yeah, the setup, the lighting. You know, uh, there's this old saying in Hollywood, lights, camera, action. So lights, Never heard that. I never heard that. Lights are always the first <laughs> thing. You know, without that, then there's no camera, then no action. So that is literally how the setup is done. Yeah, uh, well, we scout, you know, and hidden camera, we're shooting through glass, and we can't light with stage lighting. You know, you're lighting with practical lighting, not unlike the track lights you have in the studio here, so that it's not obvious to the victim. Right. Um, So it's not like real cinematography where you could really, you know, because if they step out of your, your light source, maybe it's not as beautiful as you hope sometimes in hidden camera. So it's hard to take, like cinematographer art credit for the things when it's more about just hoping it's a broadcast quality image. Well, that's what's interesting about hidden cameras because sometimes, and I think you'll agree with me, the less polished it looks, the more it plays into hidden camera. Right, and the better uh, the natural reaction of the the mark is going to be. Because we always want the viewer to believe, and it's not that we're trying to sell them something that's not true, we want them to know that this is really happening, and these people who we're pranking really don't know what's going on. Yeah. If it's too perfect looking, too cinema, cinema, whatever, it, <laughs> cinematic, <laughs> yeah. it's going to look, it could, the viewer might think this is all preset, which it never is. Sure. And sometimes we get really lucky and the lighting is awesome, and then you have to listen to those critics of people that don't believe the show is real because it looks too good. Right. But you can always in post change the look of a show, can't you? I mean, to a, yeah, to a certain extent, uh, you know, in these darker scenarios, sometimes you have to... Darking, you know, darker scenario meaning lighting, not in content. Right. Well, lighting and the skin tone of the victim depend, you know, it differs from, from the, the cameras are set, the lighting is set, and then depending on the skin tone of the victim, I mean, the look. Well, not to get too technical here, but you said earlier the lighting is first set, I thought, then cameras. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now... In uh, when I'm with you on set, I got there very early last week. Yeah, I've been seeing you there uh, um, before most of the tech crew gets there. I know, you sit isn't quietly it? in the corner. I, I do. I'm assuming you're writing. Yeah, and you know what? I just I I have this anxiety about being late. Oh, I hate you know? being late. And Number one pet peeve. Yeah, and you were here early actually for us, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's uh, just I'd rather be there early and do work, you know, sure. than than be rushing in and also, um, I just love working. Yeah. You know, and I'm excited to no, be there. No, it is fun. I mean, what we do, we get paid to laugh all day. And it's a lot of people's dream job. But it, exactly. really, it really is that. I mean, I I wouldn't be doing it now for 12 years, doing pretty much every hidden camera show that comes through town if I didn't really love it. And, uh, you know, can't think of a better job, honestly. Now, uh, 
why are you the guy doing every hidden camera in t- show in town? Um, <clears throat> Is it because you are brilliant? Well, I think um, there's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of hustle involved. Uh, my experience, you know, I mean, we did 75 episodes of Scare Tactics or ish. You if you're know, not f- with uh, Mike Harney, and by the way, if you're not familiar with Scare Tactics, it's um, humongous, award-winning hint comedy, uh, hidden camera show that's been on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, it's, it's all I call a, that one a hidden camera thrill ride. Mm-hmm. You know, more than right. just. And you mentioned Mike Harney. Yes. Uh, one, you know, Mike uh, is a mentor of mine from Washington State University. Uh, oh, he went to Washington State? Yeah. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, on our show, there's a cool, you know, 12 cameras, 12 cougs, basically. We have one in every department. I well, think, he's so. made me take an extension class just it, to stay on the show. If you want to stay on, Mark, on <laughs> not true, not Mike true. Harney's good side, you might yeah. as well just get the degree. I'm thinking about then it. Then you're set for life. Yeah, but so far, everything's worked out without it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you have a great relationship with Mike, and and through that relationship, you've um, grown as a cinematographer, right? Is that and right? he he just uh, he sells so many shows as an EP, and is constantly trying to do the next cool hidden camera thing. And I think just you know, like the people I hire that I've worked with for ten years, the same for him. He hires me. He knows he's going to get a good product and an easy workflow and a happy workplace. Yeah, all we those have a things because we're we're friends after all this time. It's not just all business. Now I uh, was saying when I got in very early the other day, and actually it's been a few times now. Um, you are like seriously uh, focused. You do seem like the guy kind of in charge when it comes to setting things up, and yeah. there's a confidence. I notice in you. Well, that's, I mean, that's what any good cinematographer is paid for. I'm paid for my confidence. And no matter what the camera is, I'm going to be able to figure it out. There's no question, you know, nothing we can't really handle. Even if, you know, as you've seen in these locations, we're fighting the sun changing throughout the day. So within the interior of the location, and sometimes if we're shooting on an outdoor patio. Yeah, it's constantly, I mean, we go and scout the places, but obviously I'm not sitting there for 10 hours to see exactly what the sun's going to do. So it's more of a perseverance thing at that point. Now, um, I, I try to prepare and control as much as we can. So that's that's what the focus is all about. Hey, the sun's going that way. These umbrellas are going to have to move on this side, you know. So you have to anticipate light change. All day. And yeah. at the top of your setup is when you've got to anticipate later day right. light changing. Right. Light changes. I did a little, I pulled a little prank on you. Um, I don't know if you thought it was a prank, but it was a little bit. It seems like you really like your music in the morning. Mm. It's like important to you, isn't it? Kind of like lights, camera, action. Uh, Whistle while you work is another motto I live by. And I know it's kind of frustrating for some people in the morning to listen to hardcore hip hop, but it gets me in the zone and, you know, it can cause a little chaos when people are trying to talk to each other. So obviously the music doesn't get to last very long. But. Well, what I did is I um, sabotaged the box, <laughs> right. the wireless cable box, the uh, boom box, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I put my phone in it and I put in um, Jewish uh, like folk music. Yeah, I thought and, it was a mistake the and, whole time. Uh, boy, you were kind of pissed. Kind of like, There's ha-ha. not even like even a smile. <laughs> Like that music's got to go. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> Not it, a lot of uh, levity. No. Well, you know, you That's ask for something, you expect it to be done, and when it's not done, it's not funny. That's the focus. <laughs> so how does uh, deal with it compared to some, you know, with this TBS show that we're working on compared to some of your other experiences? Um, you know, again, it's a lot of the same people. I'm, I'm learning, too, since it's a new show and seeing Mike's new batch of cougs that are coming in, there's a lot of people. Say that learn, again, I missed that. His new batch of WSU cougars that are coming in. It's okay. production support, you know. It kind of reminds me of when when my friends and I moved down here from WSU 10 years ago. And Washington State University. Seeing them come up as simple, you know, in the story department, you got Nick, you know, and kids like that that aren't going to ever end up on the tech side like me. And seeing them come up and really move up from a production assistant to a sought-after part of the story team, is, it's pretty cool to see those things. So I, I, I see, deal with it, a lot of similarities in our first season of Scare Tactics, where we're learning, everybody's, you know, doing extra beyond their department to make mm-hmm. sure that we get that good product. And the format is just bulletproof. I mean... It was bought for a reason. It's Again, smart business. Yeah. Yes. For those of you who have not seen the show, uh, it is a game show. It's done very well in Israel. That's where the format was originally broadcast or um, was a huge success. Yep. The game show has five levels 
and uh, someone is usually the way it works is someone usually shows up at a restaurant with a friend. We bring one of them backstage. We surprise them and say, "Hey, you're on a game show, and if you can get your friend who has no idea what's going on to do certain things, you win a certain amount of money." And based the person we bring back, bring back, we give them an earpiece, and then a celebrity guest along with uh, Theo Vaughn tells the person with the earpiece what to do, and it's often crazy stuff. And if they can continue to do the crazier and crazy as they get as it gets crazier, they earn more money. Would you say? Yeah. And it can be up to five thousand dollars. Right. Did I explain um, that okay? Jenny, did you follow so. that? <laughs> Jenny did not follow that. Were you listening? You weren't listening. I mean, okay. two people sit down in a restaurant, Howie pulls one back, and then we, you know, very covertly wire them up like a CIA spy and send them back in. And uh, yeah, the crazier they get, the more money they win. That's basically it, yeah. Yeah. And um, has anything surprised you on the show? Um, nonstop. We, we were uh, discussing a little bit before the show of how every now and then a mark will fall through or we have a lag in our schedule throughout the day. So you go do what uh, we're commonly referring to as fishing. Oh, and by the way... Uh, where Vic pulls people just <laughs> off the street that haven't been, you know, no one's done a background check right. on them. And based on his well, intuition, they end well, up on our set. Well, also it's available. You right. know, sometimes it's beyond intuition. Sometimes we'll be in a tough spot where we just don't have... Uh, yeah. You know, we have an open uh, period of time. We just need to get people in. And usually, um, yeah, one thing I do want to point out as a mark, what you refer to as a mark is the unsuspecting the person, the victim. Right, the victim. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, I mean, you just don't know who you're fucking with. Oh, sorry. Is I mean, in Los Angeles, uh, you know, picking people off the street, they could have a really great smile, but you just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Not like, I mean, it's box of chocolates, big time. Absolutely. Now, when you came out here, uh, however many years ago. How long did you, long ago was it that you came out here? I'm um, going on my 12th year in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. So um, you had an uncle running a studio? Uh, no, not uh, at all, okay. actually. You I had, got, what were your big Hollywood connections? Um, well, I, I was working the news in Washington State. Uh, mm -hmm. I was doing a live morning show up there, local news, and got fired from that job at NBC. And uh, one of my cougar buddies, Pat Sheehan, uh, called me and said that if I got down, he could give me a job over at Playboy. So uh, it was a brand new show at Playboy TV called The Weekend Flash, which mm. was like uh, the naked news. Okay. The weather girl would do the weather, take her top off, kick her back to the desk. So sure. I went from shooting local news to naked news. Mm -hmm. and basically said, Mom, I'm never coming home. <laughs> and uh, I, I do, I love Los Angeles a lot. I mean, for what I do, there's only two places in my opinion. It's LA and New York, and I'm very much a West Coast kid. You know, have a, have a lot of friends uh, that work in the business out here. What know? I love is that you started out doing Playboy, and then eventually you got me naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> Things went really downhill fast. <laughs> well, that's uh, one that wasn't on your list. Actually, they had five seasons of a hidden camera show at Playboy TV. You know, it's funny. Totally busted. I uh, I which actually, was one of the funniest shows ever. I mean, can people see it online? Uh, yeah, there's totally busted episodes online and from Amazon, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, you know, the basic premise is we get these, the marks thinking that they're going to score with a porn star and then we pull the rug out from under them and ha ha, you're on Playboy TV. Um, so you, I, you can I imagine the roller coaster. Oh my God. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I auditioned for that show. It was definitely a, a Playboy hidden camera show and it was the m most uncomfortable interview ever. You know, right. audition. They had like uh, sex toys in a box, and I was supposed to pretend I was a salesman or something. And <laughs> and then it, uh, the release, they said I could. I agreed to be naked, which you know I have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> you're a real shy guy. Yeah, well, Thanks. I always say for the comedy, I'm willing to do anything. When was your first time going uh, full nude uh, <laughs> as an improv idea? Uh, was it on How We Do It or no? Uh, um, what, and or, those of you who don't know How We Do It, that was an NBC show in about 2009, 2010. It was an NBC primetime show that Howie uh, was executive producer on, and I was a regular on. Mm -hmm. And you shot on it, which I, I love. I shot the LA stuff. Yeah, all like the stuff my man we did on the at Universal. Stuff? Yep, the Man on the Street stuff, and uh, you know we did some. Some bumps for the commercials, shot with Alex Mandel also, uh, all that stuff we did up at Universal. I love that. Yeah. Um, there was a show that Howie did uh, on, it was for Bravo, called The Private Life of a Public Nuisance. And it was kind of like um, Curb in that it took real hidden camera, so like real life, and then it combined it with fiction. 
So it was a single well, camera. That's a cool idea. I mean, that concept so, to me is still, I mean, gr Bad Grandpa is very much that idea in a feature format. Well, that's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. And so in that one, I had done a hidden camera bit years ago, which you guys can see online if you'd like. Just look up no shirt, no shoes, no service. And I went into a store wearing no shirt and no shoes and they threw me out because there was a sign that said, no shirt, no shoes, no service. And then I said, well, so if I'm wearing shoes and shirt, it's okay, right? And they said, yes. So I, I see where this is going. So I returned. I think it's a good strong argument. It's yeah. a great argument. And then I returned and it's all on camera wearing only my shoes and shirt, <laughs> right. totally bare-assed in this like bagel place. And um, Your ability to keep a straight face in those moments is true. Everything was straight. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that, I mean, anyone well, else would crack. No, there was a crack, <laughs> but it wasn't on my face. So, um, but anyways, they threatened to call the police and, um, and I think they did. It was funny. The guy was so, I hate to say dumb, but he kind of was, he was looking in the phone book for 911. He was oh, so rattled, the guy right. at the register. What is the number? Right. So they used that storyline in that show. Mm -hmm. And then as a second storyline, I, I was playing Howie's kind of a little bit bizarre cousin. And they had me in a, um, a scene at the very end of the show where I was a nude model. Familiar. Right. And um, I mean, you're the guy for that bit. Absolutely. Know? With this body, yeah. <laughs> you know, so they walked. worked with some very talented, uh, you know, back to Playboy shooting over there, you know, as part of the job. Eventually there's a, a cocked, you know, every now and then too. And the ability for those guys to remain serious yet comedic yet. You Fully know, aroused? Not, no. Well, no. I mean, that's the difference is, you know, you can't have that on camera. Right, even on Playboy you're talking about. Right, I mean, for most of the show. I've never shot anything but comedic nudity, you know. Right, yeah. Well, anyways, there was a scene in that where I was played a nude model and uh, <laughs> it, it was very funny because I turned around and it wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to have my hand cupped over my private parts, but I said to Howie, just as a joke, let us <laughs> let me turn around once and he said, I'll tell you when. So the last take, he's like, yeah, do it now. <laughs> so I turn around and I'm in this art class, everyone's, you know, Act, the actors, the extras, they think that it's going to be as the other takes are with my, I turn around, right. hand over my private parts, totally naked, and I wave to Howie and um, the other star at the time, can't remember her name. And so in this last take, I turn around and I remove, instead of waving with my free hand, I remove my hand off my private parts and start waving. And everyone in the, you know, in the art class, you know, had right. to look at my private <laughs> parts. But it was funny because Estelle Harris was in the front row. You know, she played, um, mm -hmm. Uh, Jason Alexander's mother right. in Seinfeld. Right. And uh, so afterwards, she said, um, Victor, I thought you said you were excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> My thing was like a thimble. I mean, it was horrible. It was very cold in the room. But you know, going on air, it's mosaic out, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You got to ask for the long bar. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if that's what they gave me. It was also funny, I asked a makeup artist, you know, you get vulnerable. Yeah, right. That was my first time on our yeah. show. It wasn't, but right. still, it still feels, I guess the more you do it, the less it bothers you, but I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, you seem very comfortable. And then, you know, that was our last day of shooting last for the season joke, too. You know, so for it the was joke. like hanging out at the rap party after having just the whole crew <laughs> seeing you naked as a jaybird. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. The, the, I said to the, it was really funny on that shoot with the, um, with, with how we do it. I said, um, to the makeup artist. I said, did you, uh, did you see me naked, you know, afterwards? Because not everyone was in the room. Right. Wendy, she, you're talking no, about. This is, oh. No, this is another woman. Oh. And she goes, uh, yeah, I did. And I go, so uh, what, what do you think, you know? And uh, she said, you know how with belly buttons, there are innies and outies? She goes, your penis is an innie. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I had a... Um, this is really crazy. Like in my mind, which Deep is, down, she was into a Vic. No, I took that as a positive. Yeah. <laughs> it meant she looked and it left a, me a memorable impression. Right. And everyone thinks and every Bella time she looks cute. at you from now on. <laughs> I blanked her out. I don't even know who she is anymore. Like I terrorously like put a major mental block. But this is really what's so sad. There was, a, there was someone there, an extra. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was um, really cute. And so, and I'd known her for years. She was friends with Howie. And I called her that night and said, hey, you know, I don't know, like my thinking was really off. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, we always have a lot of fun. I was wondering if maybe you'd like to go out sometime. Right. <laughs> and she said, I can't talk right now. I'm eating broccoli. <laughs> like I've never heard that as an excuse not to talk. 
She's Maybe now, the broccoli reminded uh, different her. stock. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. So that's my long answer on me doing nude uh, and nude acting. And but I and I have my pants off right now. Right. So this is in honor of you. <laughs> so tell me about Punked. What was that like? Um, Punked was pretty incredible. You know, season one, uh, I, I worked very first episode of that. It was just originally uh, normal people as well. You know, until we got Justin Timberlake. And then it became all celebrities. Did but, you shoot that one? Uh, yes. Uh, I worked at an art department and did the mini camps. You know, you got to remember this is 2003, so I'd only been in L.A. a year. I wasn't at that red hat level yet, you know, just okay. doing what we had to do. And, uh, um, yeah, seeing Justin Timberlake cry live in the control room and then seeing everyone be like, now we've got this show. So you're telling me that Punked originally was Ashton Kutcher just pranking regular people. In the yeah. very beginning, and then it became, it, it kind of morphed into pranking celebrities. Once once they got Timberlake, they realized that that's the route they wanted to go. So, But in the the first four, I think it was four or maybe, maybe even six episodes, it's just normal people, but we used other celebrities too. Like we, we had this bit where Tom Arnold was looking for a babysitter and his kid was an actor and, um, you know, it ended up actually being a Seattle Seahawks cheerleader was the mark. But, you know, they were using... You know, that scripted hidden camera stuff. Hey, I need a babysitter. Watch my kid. You know, Tom mm -hmm. Arnold leaves the house and then the kid just starts destroying the That's house. how it originally started? Yeah. So they're that, using... That was like the, the, first, the first month of the show before they got Justin Timberlake. Okay, so in other words, they were using celebrities initially, but they weren't pranking the celebrities. Right. The celebrities were used to lure in right. the marks, the people who would be pranked. Exactly. But once Justin came in... It was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, light switch went on over there. And it, it could have been possibly their intent the whole time. And they're just okay. kind of, you know, going through the motions to make sure that the, the team was ready. Because when it's a celebrity, it's very much one take. You don't get to go fishing, you know, right. if Shaq falls through. Right. When Again, when we say fishing, what we mean is suddenly, you you know, you're looking for people to prank off the street and just pulling them in. Yeah, like you would do, you could do in a restaurant. Certain areas are right, uh, are more amenable, like you know, better suited for that. Right now, in that regard, uh, once it became celebrity, it became a harder and harder tech job to book because we get you know booked by the day. So, hey, we're going to shoot Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you get a call Thursday morning. Swimmer fell through, you know, and you get your half day rate. So it was really hard to, to because, schedule because they're scheduling around the celebrity's lifestyle, and then. The art department builds and scouts go on and it's immediately put in. So it's hard to schedule a punked uh, okay. shoot into a lifestyle. You know, it, it's difficult that way. Was Demi ever on the set? She did. Yep. Uh, when she was a smoker too. Uh, I remember her specifically smoking in the control room like it was 1951. <laughs> what was she smoking? Like uh, <laughs> menthol hundreds, Marlboro <laughs> menthol hundreds. Um, but yeah, she was in the control room for uh, quite a few bits in that. Uh, was she giving notes? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, she's been around the business enough. It's her and Ashton. So it wasn't like an annoying girlfriend giving notes. It was really like someone who has some interesting ideas giving notes. It was kind of like they stopped in the control room on their way to a party. Ashton and, Ashton and Ashton and stop in, do a prank, and then leave. You know, he wasn't there for obviously all of them. Right. But, you know, so in my recollection, the few times she was out to set, they, it, it was in and out. She was just there to kind of, you know. How'd she look? It's a fair question. Uh, <laughs> she looked great, although smoking's not that attractive. You know, right. I mean. Um, Were you guys suffocating? I mean, was it like a small control room? I remember, yeah, I remember having to take the back of the pop up off, like specifically. What's the pop up? What do you mean? A pop up tent. We were in a parking lot. Our control room was a Oh, you would do a tent? For, as a control room? Sometimes, yeah, uh -huh. outside. And she was in this tent, the small tent with you guys. Right, and who's going to tell her not to smoke? Right. Was Ashton smoking? <laughs> no, no, not cigarettes. Okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've seen that 70s show, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's some truth to that 70s. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. So there was a pot-friendly crew, let's just put it that way. It's a very professional crew. I it's wouldn't go question. that far. But okay, when right. Demi Moore's on set, you know, it's get out of the way. Sure. Did you feel like you were around a big star? I mean, that's a big deal. You know, I actually, uh, I've, I interviewed Bruce Willis one time uh, for a job for CAA. It was, uh, uh, he was doing a promotion for the Shanghai Olympics, mm -hmm. uh, Special Olympics, rather. And uh, he came in, he said, who's the DP? And I said, I am. He said, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm bald. Drop a backlight in that, or drop a single in that backlight. Uh, increase the font on the teleprompter 
and then pointed to his junior agent at CAA and said, you give me your tie and then go get me a, a mocha chai latte across the street. And uh, he was in and out of the chair 15 minutes, did the line read twice, um, said thank you and walked out. And I walked over and grabbed his half mocha chai latte and finished, finished it finished off. Bruce Willis's latte. Yeah, that was, you know. Was it because it was Bruce Willis's? Yeah. Or because I you wanted, just love chai latte? I wanted a little bit of that, hey, give me your tie, you know. Right. A little of that in me. That's really good. Now, what <laughs> you said he, he asked for a what? Because I don't know that technical term. A full what? Uh, uh, there was something with the light? It right. Was a big font, and what was the... The backlight that we put on and he, But you said something about the, it. Yeah, like, he, uh, he wanted a single. It's what a, does that mean? It's a scrim to, to make the, bright not, or the light not as bright. Okay, because he didn't want to shine? Right, it makes his head shine. You know, he sat in, saw his image, and then... So know. he wanted this filter over so his head, his bald head wouldn't shine. Yeah, and he was correct. I was just prepared. You know, you always start off with more light and then start taking Were you impressed away. with that, that he knew Very the... Much. the yeah. The language? Yeah, and was just 100% professional in and out of there in 15 minutes where most of these things we did for them took hours. Now, um, just so everyone knows, tell me uh, in a, as brief a way you can about the Justin Timberlake bit, just in case people aren't familiar with it. And also you can find it on YouTube, I'm oh. sure. Well, uh, JT was living with his parents at I the like time. I like how you call it JT. I'm a big fan, huge fan of his music. Um, okay, I so mean, this, he's triple threat. You sound a little Hollywood. And, well, I have to, I'm going to call you on that. He's a great actor and comedian also. I mean, his performances on SNL are awesome. So you, And you've worked with him well, well on this. Well, yeah. Have you worked with him beyond this? No. Okay, go on. Tell me about JT. He was living with his no, parents at the time. JT. So his mom's actually the one that set him up, wanted to teach him a lesson about being more of a responsible businessman and not like leaving the uh, economics of what he was doing with his parents. Mm -hmm. So she set him up, actually. And basically he came home from golf. And when you say set him up, you mean set him up for the prank? Right. Okay. He came home from golf in the front doors of his uh, parents' house where he was living, very nice house in Mulholland, uh, was locked and, you know, police taped across and we've come up with this fake IRS type, you know, it wasn't IRS, it was like the ISR. I love this bit, I saw it, like yeah. So he pulls up, can't get in, key won't work. He actually climbs over the gate, you know, to get into his house. And once he's up there... Uh, all three of the cars are up on tow trucks ready to go and agents are bringing stuff out of the house. We had both of his actual dogs in kennels that like they were taking his dogs. Like he saw them leave being uh, taken away? Right. It was like he's coming over the fence and they cue the background. You okay. know, to so this was his, new, his was his mom's house or his new house? This was it, his parents' house, right? Yeah, where he also lived. It was okay. their, their JT compound. And... Um, you know, they, they wouldn't allow him in the house to, hey, well, you haven't been paying attention to your taxes. Obviously, you owe a lot of money. So we're seizing all your Weren't assets. sports cars up on like these uh, like yeah, car transports? Trucks. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. And uh, the thing that really set him off, though, is he had a uh, autographed guitar from like B.B. King that was worth like $35,000. And the art department made one up exactly like it. And one of the fumbling like ATF agents bringing it out drops it and then steps on it and smashes it in the driveway. And that's really where he broke down and, you know, made made punk history at that point. Yeah. Made yeah. hidden camera history in a hidden, way. Yeah. Because that's oh. a very big, yeah. big piece of uh, hidden camera. And taught him a lesson. I think he's yeah. got his own pad now. You know, he doesn't live with his parents anymore. Now, my recollection is that Dak Shepard was Great an actor. Epic. Yes. Now, how does Dak Shepard go from being hidden camera guy on punk to being a star on parenthood and, and other shows features just a great agent and i mean he's not working you know i'm sure he's good friends with jason goldberg who's the ep of punk now he was partners with coach Kutcher at the time i think they've were they friends prior to that show yeah and Dax uh, knew jason i i believe so i mean you know when when you're at that level and you're trying new pilots and new development ideas why not take the people you're working with sure you know and uh, Goldberg's married to Soleil Moonfry, Punky Brewster. So, I mean, the, just the networking in Hollywood, you know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you know the right people, you can get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. And I was really impressed with Dax. I mean, not only with his work on Punked, but that he was able to parlay that into, you know, A-list type projects. Right. Right. And you doing know. features. I mean, uh, Idiocracy, one of my favorite movies of all time, you know, Mike Judge and his character in that is phenomenal. Uh, I didn't see that. I'll have to check that out. Idiocracy, yeah, it's a genius piece of work. I think uh, it didn't get a lot of theatrical play because Mike Judge kind of took on Costco and, 
you know, it wasn't real advertiser friendly, right. but that's it, probably what you liked about it. It's a real, yeah, it's a real genius piece of work. And, uh, Dax Shepard's character is a future American, like in 2053, who they have, uh, disposable clothing, you know, it's like a paper towel roll to put on a shirt and you throw the other one away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can lose your kids to Carl's Jr. at the ATM if you're behind on your credits. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one of my favorite Dax Shepard. Okay, well, that's yeah. cool. And, yeah. and do you keep in touch with Dax? Oh, no, he, he wouldn't know me from Adam. Now, I want to go back a moment. We were talking about who you knew and getting your start. And really the point I wanted to make from studying your credits, I got the sense that you're self-made. Um, no one can do it alone. You need people who are going to champion you, sure. I believe, right? And, and a little luck. And a little, little luck. Yeah. But you really have been doing this based on uh, skill, perseverance, hard work. It's not like you were handed a job when you came out here. Right. No, not at all. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know what the kids are making these days, but I, you know, my first job, job uh, after Playboy on Scare Tax, it was like 500 a week, mm-hmm. you know, to live on and do, you know, you're on call seven days a week, but I was also able, you know, since I came from a cinematography background already working in the news, the one day the camera guy didn't show up and I said, hey, I can shoot, even though I was still getting uh, that lower pay scale, uh, I was able to prove myself right away. Like, oh, this guy is a shooter where it takes some people, you know, 10 years just to get out of being a camera assistant. And I never had to go that route. I didn't have to be PA then second AC, then operator, you know, I mean, I kind of came down with a cinematography background. And once they gave me the camera, it was just, obvious. I have a good eye for this. The other thing that I think I find really interesting is you said you were fired from a job. And yeah. of what I, what I really love about that is first of all, the honesty, right. because it's like, no one wants to be talk about being fired from anything. <laughs> right. And I love that you have that self-confidence about yeah. yourself to not even think twice about it yeah. and just say, Hey, I was fired and it led to this and right. that. Um, well, it wasn't based on a performance issue or okay. a personality thing. You know, it was my my driving in an NBC van. Basically, I got fired from my kind of more or less reckless driving, uh, and you can't get away with anything with a six foot peacock on the side of your van. You know? <laughs> but it's very competitive business in the news. You know, you yeah. have four local stations in a small market, and there's a breaking news story at eleven to try to get out there and get the liver up for the noon broadcast and. Uh, cut somebody off in traffic that used to work with my boss when she was a rookie reporter and I came back and, you know, it wasn't the first complaint. It was the fourth or fifth complaint. That She'd had it. enough. Yeah. What market? Best was thing that? that ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, uh, Tri-Cities, Yakima market. It's right in the middle of Washington State. What number market is that? What size? Uh, probably between 100 and 115, okay. I would guess. Maybe I, even, maybe not even that big. Maybe like a, 140th. Well, I was a TV reporter in Macon, Georgia, which is 132. Right. Yeah, I mean... And I know what you're talking about. You got to get to the story fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what... That's the only way you have a victory at the end of the day. Was your if confidence... If you beat the other stations, sure. you know. Was your confidence shaken at all? I mean, no one likes to be fired. A little bit, because, you know, I got that job as an internship. Um, you know, I was recommended by my mentor at... Washington State, um, and he got me that job. And then, yeah, you know, getting fired just before my two-year NBC contract expired, having to go home and work a wheat harvest for my uncle Dan just to have some money, you know. But uh, he has guess, he has a farm, your uncle. Yeah, that's why I, I grew up uh, working on a hog ranch and livestock and uh, cattle farm. Uh, you know, white winter wheat production. Walla Walla, Washington is just rolling wheat fields as far as the eye can see. So, that's family my, owns a farm. Uh, my uncle Dan has uh, a few hundred acres out uh, near the Starbuck, Washington area, which is the only other town in the county where I'm from. Is that uh, where Starbucks was named? Is that the? Or it's is from, that just it's a in Washington State. Um, I, yeah, I think just a coincidence. But okay. My father does uh, uh, ag support business, so it's a 75 year family business. Shell oil. Uh, bulk fuel delivery, uh, ground fertilizer application, crop dusting, that kind of thing. Well, I do a lot of crop dusting. <laughs> I, <laughs> Usually after a Mexican meal. <laughs> yeah. I was telling the uh, the Kevin Nealon joke the other day because I saw Kevin do stand-up about a year ago with Tony Rock. Uh-huh. And he does this great bit about since he became a Los Angelino, he got Lakers tickets and uh, always wanted to meet Jack. 
and went down to talk to Jack at halftime, and Jack snubbed him and turned away. So Kevin Nealon in his stand-up says that he, he crop-dusted him so that not only did he fart on Jack, but he got inside of him. <laughs> and then he goes on a whole rant of all the celebrities he's been inside of by crop-dusting them at parties. But it's, That's you know, funny. I mean, obviously hilarious. No, that's really funny. <laughs> uh, so you never had any interest in going in the family business? Uh, I was told I was told pretty early on uh, by my dad that um, you know he it was it was a necessity for him because I was pretty young, or my parents were pretty young when I was born, so he knew you know that, how young. Uh, my mom was fifteen. 12. <laughs> Twelve. My dad was eighteen. Wow. So, yeah, I mean they were you know very very young. Fifteen years old. Yes. And this wasn't in the eighteen hundreds. Uh, no, this is in the seventies. <laughs> I mean, so, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you imagine 15? She could have been on Teen Pregnant Mom. Right, yeah. I mean, that would have been a whole different My mom thing. loves that show too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's different than, you know, today's standards for sure. But your dad sounds like he's very successful. I, well, I mean, that sounds like a business that you could have gone into and done fine. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I just always had grander aspirations and uh, I, I worked... Uh, I'd say uh, different. I mean, it is yeah. what he's doing. It sounds like it's important in its own way, right? It is. Yeah, it is. But I know what you mean for yourself. I wanted to work in entertainment, comedy. Like, I mean, I was addicted to SNL the first time I saw an episode and just always knew that I wanted to do that kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I did out, out of high school. I went to flight school. I was going, Dad, I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to make you proud. Dropped out of that. Why would that have made your dad proud? Being a pilot. Well, it was actually probably more for my grandparents because uh, a lot of the men in my family are pilots because uh, my grandfather was a, a World War II B-17 pilot. So, wow. And having the crop dusting business. My Uncle Kevin's also a pilot. Dad has his pilot's license, just kind of around it. And oh, he's still, still want to get my private pilot's license, but nothing that I could do commercially with, without going to the military, being a pilot's a 20-year you know, dedication to get to that level. What's it like working with Betty White? Uh, I've never actually worked on the host raps with Betty White. I do the field pranks. So. Okay, and just for those of you who haven't seen uh, Betty White's show, it's called Off Their Rockers. It was originally a foreign format show that did quite well in, I believe it was Europe. Uh, Belgium, originally Belgium? a Belgian okay. series. It was called uh, Bondurite Bastards or something so like that. So they brought it out to the United States. Yep. Well, I, the guy sold, the guy who created that show sold like 80 countries. Wow. So Betty White's Off the Rockers is one country he sold nice. in that format. Yeah. And the format, the basic premise is uh, we're going to have old people pranking people. Old people pranking young people, I think, is the quickest way. Yeah. 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 And, and so, they're very trigger-happy type bits. They're 15-second reactions. Trigger-happy is in reference to another hidden camera series from Europe, just for those of you who aren't familiar. And right. that's a great show. To, if you're a fan of hidden camera, definitely check out Trigger Happy as well on YouTube. Also um, check out Vic the, Cohen. Yeah, the, I've got a lot of hidden camera bits over on on YouTube and on my uh, my own website. Yeah, V I C C O H E N. Go on. Is, is Vic short for Victor? Mary? It's actually short. Oh, for Mary. short for Mary. I was yeah. I was. I, I knew it yeah, wasn't yeah. Vic. You, you had to come of up course. with that on your yeah. own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, short for Victor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on uh, off the rockers, which got picked up for another twenty episodes by Lifetime TV. Uh, they're congratulations in right now. So it's pretty. You'll exciting. be shooting on that. Yeah, I mean, as we peel off into next year, um, you know, 20 episodes takes a long time to shoot. But most of the stuff people see with Betty White uh, is not the stuff that the field acquisition team does. Right, you know? and just for those of you, again, uh, just so we're really clear, the term raps, when we talk about host raps, basically what we're talking about are, you. if you've ever seen Betty White on this show, she'll often uh, introduce a hidden camera bit. You'll see her in a home or you'll see her at the top of the show do a little skit or at the end of the show. Right. Those are what we call host wraparounds. And those are shot separately from the hidden camera pieces that you see out in the field, whether yeah. they're shot at the beach or wherever. We do a, a lot of beaches, actually. I noticed. And, and obviously, you don't want Betty White standing out in the sun all day trying to get... She's 91 now, so... Right, yeah. Is she really? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's really getting up there. I mean, she's uh, going to be setting some kind of world record here soon. That's great. <laughs> now... Um, you had you were on Scare Tactics, and um, well, actually, I want to talk about something else and get right to that. Okay. back to that because this this really cracked me up because I did a lot of research on you. Okay, and I have this. I'm flattered. Uh, well, completely. You're you know what? You, there's a lot to learn about you. You've got credits that just go on and on and on. And uh, I like to say I've been working in reality since the inception. Well, I got format. two questions. Okay, okay. my first question is 
you have just for 2013, the credits go on and on and on. Now, when I see that, I see a guy who's working a lot. I see a guy who's making a lot of money. I see a guy who's not making $500 a week. Right. Yet, I tell you, I'm going to meet you at the studio, and you said, I'll be there early. I'm taking the bus to the train to the subway. Like, what's going on? Uh, I mean, oh, Casey, why don't I own a car? But yeah, I mean, have you thought about maybe buying a car? Um, I've been five <laughs> years now uh, since my last little pickup broke. Is this down. because you have no driver's license? No, I, mean, I have a driver's license. I, you know, the cab drivers ask me that all the time too. Oh, a DUI? No, I've you never, literally do not have a car. Never had a DUI, and yeah, I haven't had a car here in Los Angeles for five years. Uh, luckily, being the red hat, you know, and get the higher end of the team, I typically can have kind of an underling AC or so a friend in the neighborhood that picks me up for work. You know, I buy the coffee, we carpool together. So it's very green. Are uh, you like I one try of these environmental nuts? No, not at all. I just um, like- a, Are you a cheap guy? You don't want to spend money on gas? Um, <clears throat> no. <laughs> I like I, how you clear your voice, your throat on that. It's A, the <laughs> most dangerous thing you do every day is get in your car. I agree. Uh, B, for me, um, the road rage in this city is beyond healthy. <laughs> to say right. the least. And um, yeah, I just, I've, I'm in a position to where I, it hasn't been a necessity for me. I, I travel out of LAX too, Vic, 35 times a year. And that car and insurance just kind of seems not worth it. To no, me. I mean, in a way, it's it's a brilliant way to save money. Even if I spend $1,500 a year on cabs, it's cheaper than owning a car. That's a good point. And um, for Casey, you know, we do the show 10 to 11 p.m., West Coast time, and he left his place at, uh, what was it, 11 a.m. this morning? <laughs> he <laughs> didn't only, drive, though. It took me less than an hour to get here from Tarzana on LA Metro. Yeah, and that, what is that, like 25 miles or something, 20 miles? I it's, don't know. Yeah, it's 17 miles, something okay. like that. Yeah. Um, all right. And yeah. hey, when the exposition line is done next summer, you'll be able to go all the way to Santa Monica Pier without having to. Exposition line is a new subway or something? Yeah, it goes from Culver City now to uh, Aren't you scared of an earthquake? I mean... Being underground, that just scares me to death. Really? Yeah. We haven't had an earthquake in a while. Exactly. It's, kinda, it's, exactly. it's a little nerve-wracking. I don't yeah. want to scare you. <laughs> Next thing you know, I you'll be walking to places. I hadn't thought of that. I find, I find uh, the subway a good place to people watch, as you know, I am a people watcher, doing what I do, that voyeuristic nature. And uh, you'd be surprised, especially leaving here late tonight, I'm going to see some funky stuff on the red line. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you've... I don't want to be creepy, but you do have gorgeous hair. Oh, thanks. It is luxuriant. Thank you. And you normally have that covered with your red cap or whatever else you're wearing. Yeah, I'm kind of a man of a thousand faces. At work, you know, I need the bill to be able to see, right? You know, I wear my uh -huh. glasses and, you know, it's a lot of running and physical work. So I, I put in a ponytail. But yeah, no, most people I work with have, you know, have never seen this. Uh, no, I'm... They're confused. Like at the rap party, they don't know who I am. No, you know? it's crazy. Like, who the hell is this guy? Now, I'm what, growing it out till the troops come home. For oh, the well, that you're going to have it down to your ass, I think. Yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully January 2015, I can go back to a clean cut. So one thing you may not know about Casey is that he's also an actor. That's right. All my credits are as cinematographer, though. I play. I didn't know that. No idea. No, but listen to this. Casey has hazel eyes. He has a baritone voice. His hair is chin length. Actually, I would say now it's almost nipple length. Yeah, I probably it's need to update there. that. His accents, this is what cracks me up. Like, I thought this guy's like They're a shooter. Same. I thought he was a shooter, you know, like a videographer, a cinematographer, that kind of thing. And then I see the next thing I know on IMDb, he's got a whole performer page. He's been keeping that a secret from some of us. Well, you know, I, I did uh, quite a bit of after acting in Scare Tactics because uh, we do uh, the show within a show, Fear Antics. Mm. where the mark believes that they are on a production team. So I see, okay. I was actually killed in five episodes of Scare Tactics as Casey the cameraman. Aww. So, you know, we're in the house, we're, the, the creepy shit goes down, I give the mark a camera, hey, do you know how to operate a camera? And then I'll go check the power, and while I'm out checking the power, Sven snaps my neck. Uh, Sven, another actor. Right. I've been executed, uh, and it is upsetting for people, you know, that love me to see me get killed on camera. But it's, it's really fun, too, to be a part of the hidden camera prank like that. You know, I'm so used to telling actors where to stand, sure. and, and to actually be on camera was a lot of fun. Did you want to be an actor? Um, you know, I dabbled in stand-up comedy for a while. I think um, where I'm at right now, I'm perfectly satisfied with, but... Um, you know, hopefully in the future, if I ever get to do feature comedies with my friends I moved down here with, uh, I'd be 
stoked to do some bit parts. You know, mm-hmm. I've never taken acting classes, wasn't in theater, but I, you know, I can pull off a couple of lines. According to your acting resume, <laughs> <laughs> you do a, a mean British accent. Let's hear that. Oh, no. Come on. Good day, Governor. Oh, Good day, Governor. Vic, Vic, Vicky Cohen here. I can't believe you're putting me on this. No, well, it's on your resume. You know, I mean, if it's on there. Well, but I put, I put, uh, what, British, (laughs) Jamaican, and Australian. Exactly. Let's hear your Jamaican. Let's hear your Jamaican. Well, they're exactly the same. Let's hear it. (laughs) Iriman. Go on. Yes. Uh, Well, like I said, it's. That's true words. I want to hear something. Seriously, give me some Jamaican. Vic, I'm not an actor. How about your Australian? Uh, Throw another shrimp on the barbie, mate. That's pretty good. I thought that did sound different than your British accent. <laughs> They're all three the same. That's why, you know, if <laughs> I had to do a line that I could rehearse, I could probably pull off one of those three. You also says you sp- you speak sign language. I do. I know the alphabet. So that's speaking sign language? F-G-H-I-J. <laughs> Say I, I love you. I can spell anything out. I, well, Say I, I would just you. spell it out. Okay, so that's good. That's, that's how I communicate with that the could, deaf. I would count that. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Um, you won, according to your uh, resume... Mm-hmm. You've won two awards, or at least bits you've done have won awards. Um, Scare tactic pranks. There was the oh, Satan's VH1's, Baby. Yeah. VH1's uh, best pranks. Right. In 2008 and 2005. Yes. Number one comedy of the year. Number one prank. Can you give us a quick synopsis in like 30 seconds each prank? Well, sure. Uh, they both involve the same actor, Gabriel, that we... Um, he's a little person? He's a little person. He's two foot 11. He's actually um, Vern Troyer's uh, body double in the Austin Power movies. Oh, cool. And he's three inches taller than Vern. But um, uh, in the first one, he's a little rap monster. They, uh, Dave Storrs brings the mark in to clean up a lab, basically. You know, these guys left the lab. We don't know what's in here. And he's dressed like a rat, half rat, half man. Uh, that bit actually we we dubbed the elbow together scream because the mark went ah! <laughs> uh, and then uh, Satan's baby same thing um, the marks brought in to a urgent care facility pregnant woman comes in puts her legs up in the stirrups and little red Gabriel comes out with his devil horns and scares the, awesome. scares the living shit out of the mark but we used him in a lot of bits he's amazing yeah, that's really uh, yeah. that's really good. I've seen, uh, I think I've seen both of them. And again, I'm pretty sure they're on YouTube. Yeah. What would we look up? Satan's? Uh, uh, Satan's Baby. Um, I, I believe Scare Tactics has their own YouTube channel and uh, is featured on Hulu also. You can catch Scare Tactics episodes. Okay. Great. And what is it um, that really, you mentioned that you've always wanted to do comedy. You, Saturday Night Live left a imprint on you. Mm. Uh, what is it about comedy that you find so attractive? you gravitate towards um i mean it's just a lighter way to live you know the drama writing and stuff that takes place here it it feels like there's always a a secret type of twist you know to get you there where a good joke can keep you entertained the whole time so um you know working uh this hidden camera stuff is a good way to come up with great ideas for future comedy feature like i said i moved to los angeles to make movies I'm in TV now. I've put 12 years in here, and I'm hoping I can make that transition eventually to start working on some bigger feature ideas. Well, you've got a documentary that's coming out in 2014, correct? Yes. Uh, my third feature documentary. Tell um, us a little bit about that. It's uh, it's called Boardwalk Empire. It's a tale of the Venice Beach uh, marijuana dispensary scene over the last few years since its inception to the rise and now, you know, inevitable collapse and kind of the history of what's happening with medical marijuana it features Tommy Chong, uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in the movie, Elijah Wood. Um, and you wrote that? Uh, yes, I, I was brought in as a documentary writer, which is sifting through literally 1,500 hours of footage to try to create a story uh, from the first person. Is it done? Uh, the trial is pending, so we're unable to really release or talk about it until... Uh, the main character's tri- trial is resolved uh, January or February. So we're looking for an April release date. And what happens in the trial really dictates the ending. So no, it's not done. Uh, okay, so the, the ending is, is yet written. Yeah. And is this the kind of film that could go off to uh, all the festivals? I think so. I think we have a real shot at a theatrical release with this just because it's so chock full of stars and it's 
you know, this marijuana stuff is really happening in America and it's changing very quick. So I think the audience is there for it. Well, I noticed you've done worked on a few projects that regard marijuana. Kind of an expert, yeah. Yeah, now is that a personal interest or is this more professional? I think so. I mean, like I said, I'm, I come from a farm town. I would like to see it, uh, hemp uh, revitalized for the American farmer. And, you know, whether you smoke or not, you know someone that smokes. So it's kind of an everyman thing. And uh, what I've been saying lately at the festivals and, you know, this kind of platform is why are we banning plants? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Something natural. Have rampant cancer and Could you disease. say that about cocaine though? Isn't cocaine natural? But cocaine's a schedule two drug. It's more legal than marijuana because it has proven medical benefits. Cocaine? Yeah, cocaine they use as a topical anesthetic. It's, okay. it can be, you know, it can be prescribed, so. Yeah, cocaine is more legal than marijuana at this point. That's a whole nother show. You can yeah, bring no, me back. I, yeah. I know, and I would love to bring you back. We're going to have to finish up in just a minute or so. Okay. Um, but I, one thing that I'm I'm curious about also, um, you know, you've got all these great shows you've worked on. And, you know, a lot of people I've found that work in comedy, there's also, a, there's a shadow. I mean, we all have a shadow, a dark side. Or uh, What's your shadow? My shadow? Uh, you mean like my, what's keeping me from, from getting there? What do you find? We all have uh, personal struggles. Right. Just human beings by nature. Right. There's no one who doesn't. Yeah. And I find that comedic people are usually really sensitive. Sure. And they feel a lot. And, you know, I know for myself, I can get depressed at times. I can get yeah. anxious. I, you know, there were, I really have to deal with different emotions sure. that feel strong in times. And, um, and, and I find a lot of comics are like that. And I, I have a sense that you probably do in some ways too. And I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Um, for all my successes, you know, I'm getting up there. I'm still a single guy and would never really consider my life fully success without a family eventually. And, uh, I think I'm so interested in my career that, that, that even option of a wife or whatever is not really something that I've given much thought to. So that that's probably my biggest fear is that I'm going to dedicate so much of my life to this business that I don't end up, you know, procreating. Do you, are you a workaholic? No, I'm not addicted to work. I take as much time off and play as I can, you know, to make sure. Why you, but why do you not have someone in your life? I'm recently single. Oh, so you have. Uh, but, and I'm kind of dedicated to staying single for a little bit because I forgot how good I am at it. At good at being single? So you're enjoying your single life? Yeah. Yeah, right now, for sure. Okay. But you're, as far as some inner demons or things that you're... Well, you know, I mean, my folks had kids very young, so I would like to be able to give my, my mom some grandkids someday. So I feel like, you know, coming to Los Angeles and being that far away from my family, I'm really kind of like missing the family aspect as the oldest son, you know, mm-hmm. kind of just the guy that's down fucking off in LA instead of... Is there some guilt about living down here? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, for because sure. Because of what? Um, Just that, that I see all my peers from high school and back home, you know, on their second and third kid with a boat and, you know, they're really living their lives more than just working. Right. So... So that's your fear about maybe being so narrow-sighted about career that family, your own family, creating your own family gets neglected or forgotten? Yeah, if I had to choose the shadow, which you asked me to. I mean, that would be a part of you that you wonder about. Yeah, that's the part that I'm not sure if I'm, uh, you know, if that's meant for me at this point. Right. So Okay. Well, yeah. more you'll you'll figure that out. I right. Mean, I mean, it's not... Every day is a new day in L.A. I mean, every day has been perfectly different from the last. Never worked the same set twice. Not, not one day has ever been the same this whole time. If you I've weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Probably working the news in Seattle. You know, right. so I'd be back doing well, local news or some, something in the business. Because, I mean, even when the economy was bad and my mom back... I don't know why I'm talking about my mom. You're bringing out this stuff for me tonight, babe. She's like, why don't you get a bartending job? And I'm like, I'm not qualified to do that. I've been a cameraman for 10 years. I can't just go get a bartending job. When was that? 2008, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of slow. I was still working on shows out in Vegas and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, this is what I do now. There's no really changing my career. Well, that's what you love to do. And I've seen yeah. you at it. That's the beauty is. I do love it. I mean, you know, like I said, we're going to have to wrap it up here. But when I've 
been out there on the set, you know, I see a guy who's so focused, loves what he's doing. It's like, you know, it's great to see when people are in their zone. Yeah. And that's what I've seen. I've seen you in your zone. Cool. And it's what attracts me to you because I love seeing people doing what they're good at and just and enjoying it and just, you know, there's a real beauty and be able to observe that. Yeah, likewise, so, well, likewise. Well, thank you. And I want to thank you for coming here tonight. Thanks for having me, Vic. Crazy That'd hours. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Um, you can check me out on YouTube. Uh, I have a YouTube channel personally that, you know, it's a lot of fun family videos and stuff like that. Um, my documentary website, The Green Rush, uh, greenrushmovie.com. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to reach out on Twitter or LinkedIn, too, just look for me, Casey Cassidy. K-A-S-E-Y, spell your last name. It's C-A-S-E-Y, C-A-S-S. Oh, did I spell your name wrong? You said it with a K. That's how they would spell no, it. No, C. At I meant C. I meant C. Say it again. <laughs> it's C A S E Y. I knew that. Okay. C A S S E D A Y. Okay. Great. Well, I want to thank you again, Casey, and I want to have you back. I want to talk about that documentary. I'm very curious and about the other ones you've you've done. And uh, I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank Jenny, our new board operator. Thank you so much. Thanks, you've done Jenny. an amazing job. And we'll see you again right here on Vic Cohen's. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question.